The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 821, a special WWDC deep dive for Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you normally send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found, and we normally share and answer those things. Today, though, in a special off-cycle episode, we will be digging into the things that uh, Apple has announced and that we have learned thus far from WWDC, sharing our thoughts and and reactions and experience, too, uh, mostly, in fact, with uh, with some of these things. So we encourage you to watch the keynote and really even encourage you to watch the State of the Union as well if you're if you're able. And I think most people are able, but we'll dissect a lot of those things, especially from the State of the Union here too, without rehashing yep. everything. Uh, so here in Durham, New Hampshire, uh, because we can't go to San Jose, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, yeah, Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. Easy for you to say. See, you got to yeah. normally go a week before you can say those things. It's, right, uh, right. So, right. Um, so you may ask yourself, how do I watch these? And I'll tell you at least the way it, this time around, Dave, I watched everything on my Apple TV 4K. Sure. Um, the keynote was in the Apple events section. And then I installed the developer app. Mm-hmm. and watch the state of the use and using the developer app. Got so it. um that's one way you folks can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I watched them both in the developer app. Um only because oh, okay. it came up that way. Uh I was going to watch in YouTube, but I actually wanted to test the developer app on my TV to make sure that I had that synced up for the state of the union later in the day. Yep. But yeah. So um so I like the pre-roll so it was like, you know, a big globe and there were like little things on it. And at first I thought it was like lights and stuff. But as they zoomed in on it, it was little emojis. Yeah. I don't know if it was I don't know if it was a real time representation of how many people were tuning in. But uh, probably not. I, I I am nearly certain the entire thing was pre-recorded. <laughs> no, I mean, the whole thing was like obviously a very well produced. I, I, I think this was the best keynote Apple has delivered in a very long time. And I, I think that a, a large part of the, the, uh, a, a large part of the reason for that is that they didn't have to do it in front of a live audience. They were able to produce it like a show, uh, as opposed to just, you know, going out and, and having to present live and with demos and and holds for applause and time while we waited for people to come on the stage and off the stage and you know all of that stuff oh yeah yeah they, um, well paced yeah i mean it was kind of creepy at first so you know tim comes out and it's like tim in an empty theater and like lights and that's it right all right well let's talk you about got, these you got, you... go ahead go oh, ahead yeah. no, no 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 go ahead go ahead go ahead no that's the that's it it was just the you know i mean yeah. they kept the pace up and yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It, you know, just like the state of the union, like the real state of the union, it's like half of the time is wasted in my humble opinion with everybody, you know, clapping or, yeah. or not clapping and stuff. You're right. Like, it, and, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I thought, I, I thought it was great. Now I, I do still think that my feelings on, on the keynote and, and even the developer sessions, quite frankly, uh, are separate from the benefits I see in getting humans together. And I realize not every developer gets to be 
in fact, most people who are registered developers do not get to be in San Jose. You know, WWDC usually holds about 5,000, 6,000 people. Then there's usually another five or 6,000 on top of that that come to San Jose uh, just to be in town, attend AltConf, uh, you know, just meet with people. Yes, that's still not even close to every registered developer, but it allows the people who are serious about it and want to engage with everyone else who is serious about it, the opportunity to do that. And human interaction, I think, is really important. So hopefully uh, we can get past this, you know, lockdown and pandemic and all that and and do this, you know, next year. So uh, but let's talk about what we've what we found. So because we're Mac Geek Up, let's start with. Uh, Mac OS 11, uh, which is interesting because it now goes to 11, uh, Big Sur, <laughs> the um, supported. So the, the first thing that's important to know is whether or not your Mac will run it. Uh, it seems like basically any laptop 2013 and later and any Retina iMac, including the first one, 2014 and later, will run it. All Mac Pros and the MacBook uh, from uh, 2015 and later will do it, and then the 2014 Mac Mini will do it. So if your machine was built in 2012 or earlier, it's not going to run Big Sur. If it was built after that, then we've got a link in, in the show notes, and if, if what I just said didn't make sense, uh, you, can, you can do it. But basically anything built, certainly uh, anything built 2015 and later, so last five years, uh, is to, is definitely mm-hmm. able to run uh, well, Big Sur. It's a good thing I upgraded my MacBook because my former MacBook was a mid 2012. Aha! Uh-huh. Would not run it. Would so. not have done it. Yeah, there you go. But that was kind of my plan. Why? Why I was like, sure, oh, I better upgrade soon because their next OS probably won't run on this, it, and it doesn't. Yeah. So. No. That. Yeah. And that's a that's a good pace. I mean, I think I think running on at least if you know five plus year old hardware uh, for a new OS is. Uh, pretty remarkable. And I, I think that's pretty good. Um, so we've both had the opportunity to install this and it, dig into a few things. It, you know, on the surface, it looks, there's definitely a different look. And if you saw the keynote, you've already seen the different look. It's cleaner stylings, um, a bubblier interface. It, my feeling, you know, as I'm, I, I just kind of took some stream of consciousness notes as I went through everything and it, it feels like windows is my first impression, but nothing specific, like not any specific windows thing. It just, quite frankly, it feels like a familiar interface that looks different. And so I think that's what, you know, my mind was trying to tell me when it was like, oh, this is like windows. Like, you know what these things all do. They just look different than they did yesterday. Um, you know, and, and it's got a bubbly look to it, but it's fine. I, I don't find it distracting. Um, I've obviously only been using it for, you know, what, 24 hours or so. So I, I, I can't comment on how long it takes to get used to it because I haven't given myself enough time yet, but I, it, you know, it's fine. Um, one thing I noticed immediately, John, was the menu bar. They, I, I installed this on my MacBook Air, my 2018, you know, MacBook Air. And for, of course, uh, Bartender does not work. And I've, I've come to realize Bartender is the thing that helps you clean up your menu bar and, and have like separate alternate menu bars. Uh, there are other apps like that that I haven't tried, but Bartender does not yet really work. It'll, it'll collapse it, but you can't 
I couldn't get it to do anything else. Um, so I had to remove bartender and, and then things were fine. But my menu bar is exploding now. I can't see everything that's in my menu bar. iStat menu still works totally fine. But every menu item has a huge amount of padding around it now. So if you could fit, you know, let's say an average of, of you know, seven things in your menu bar before, you might only be able to fit five now. And Apple takes up several of those five. You must have a clock in your menu bar that is no longer optional. You must have Apple's clock and it will sit to the right of your menu bar. And the reason for that is when you click it, it brings up your notifications and widgets to the left of that. You get a new control center, which we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, you get a spotlight, which I think you can remove. Although even though I've unchecked the checkbox, mine hasn't removed, but it's beta software. So that's okay. And, uh, and then Wi-Fi, which you can also remove if you, if you want, uh, so you, you get at least two bonus things, especially if you were using a third party clock like the iStat menus combo clock slash calendar. That's no longer uh, a thing, at least in, in this build. And I think it would stay that way just because of the, the functionality baked in there. So what did what did you see first, John? Um, the first thing I tried, Dave, was to click in the upper right hand corner. And. Normally what's there is notifications, but now they've added some bonus material is that there's also little widgets there. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that they, they mix those two and I was like, Oh, okay. This is, there's not a lot of widgets at yeah. this point, but um, you know, it's stuff that I didn't mind knowing about. And uh, so they weave those two together. So that was one of the first things I noticed. And then like you, the, um, yeah, so they now have um, a control center, <clears throat> which uh, is interesting because that that it it's a little different um, experience in that the the control center you know shows you things you know like what the stuff that you're used to seeing on iOS. Um, yes, uh, the interesting thing is that you could take the items and drag most of them to the menu bar if you want to. That, that's right. You tried that. Well, I, I didn't try that. Actually, I, di I didn't realize that you could do it by dragging, but that makes a lot of sense. What I did find is that if you go into system preferences, there is a new preference pane called dock and menu bar. And mm. there's a control center section in that preference pane. And you can control lots of different things there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I will say that I meant to say this at the beginning, for those of you listening audio only, we're not showing anything in video here. We didn't set up any screen sharing with our, our, um, our Macs that we have in our iOS device that we have running the beta software, but it's possible that this episode may, we, we always really try not to refer to things visibly, uh, but it's possible this episode may break from that, but if it does, don't worry our 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 mandate of being an audio show that you can watch us record visu visually or watch us watch the recording of us visually it still maintains so uh so i apologize for that and for anybody watching video you'll see me turning to the side and that's only because i have the uh, i have my second mac here running this but um but yeah you can go into system preferences dock and menu bar and then you get all kinds of different options for each of the things that can either appear in the menu bar or the control center 
or both. And you can choose where they go. So you can, like you said, you can collapse some of those things out of the menu bar into control center if you want. Um, you know, I, I choose to have at least battery and Wi-Fi on my laptop anyway in the menu bar. But on my desktop machine, I wouldn't necessarily. I, I leave Wi-Fi on so that it can do airdrop and hand uh, handoff and all the continuity stuff with my watch. But otherwise, I, I, you know, I don't need to know that it's on. I'll I'll find out. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. What else did you find, man? Um, let's see here. Um, control center. I, I, I'll, I'll, dynamic, yeah, dynamic widgets. Uh, the, the kind of dovetail on what I talked about mm. before. So the widgets, um, they, they give you um, flexibility in that you can have, you know, tiny with little info or larger, depending on what you need. So, uh, now they put some thought into that. I, I thought that was nice. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely a, let's bring this over from iOS thing, which we'll talk about in a minute, mm. but which I like, I, I, you know, I think that's good. They, both platforms should benefit from the learnings of the other and the, the, you know, the benefits of the other. Why not? Right. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Um, I, I will say this is very interesting. I stat menus. I, I mentioned just worked. I didn't have to do anything. I upgrade. Oh, what nice. I did was I, I cloned my, my, my MacBook air to an external Thunderbolt drive. And then I upgraded to uh, Mac OS 11 Big Sur on that drive. So it's running off an external drive, which m m makes for an interesting experience with a laptop because you kind of have to carry this, you know, dongled thing around. But that's okay. That, that was my choice going into this. Uh, so it just inherited everything that that I run as my, you know, daily laptop. And iStat menus, as configured, works great. I turned off the clock very quickly because I didn't want two clocks in my mm -hmm. menu bar. But I did notice that my fan speed was and my CPU speed was reporting fine. I have that in my menu bar in iStat menus. And that means that Intel Power Gadget is running fine. And that means that Intel Power Gadget's kernel extension still works in macOS Big Sur, which I will point out is exactly as expected. Some kernel extensions, those for... Uh, USB devices and for uh, networking are deprecated as of macOS Big Sur. And those are the warnings that we've been getting. If you have, you know, a, a mouse with a, a kernel extension, it's like, nope, can't do that anymore. Uh, but but other kernel extensions are fine. Uh, I And we'll dig more into this when we talk about Apple Silicon, their new chips, about sort of how that works. But um, you know, Apple is staying true to form. Like they, they will continue to, in their words, reduce the surface area of kernel extensions and developers should be using driver kit for a lot of these things, but driver kit doesn't let you do all the things that kernel extensions used to do. So they are giving developers sort of a roadmap and a timeline. And the first stage of that is the networking and USB uh, stuff and, and a couple others, but, by and large, that's what's dying off. It's not all kernel extensions. It's just those two categories, yeah. essentially. So just wanted to, just wanted to make that note. Yeah. Okay. No, and it's a, it, yeah, the, the way you installed it, I probably should have done that. What okay. I did instead was formatted an external drive as a PFS. Yep. Download the beta installer after running the magic beta installer enable thing. And then just ran the thing called install beta and 
use the external drive as a target. So I didn't do it. it you didn't upgrade. I probably should have. My, my intent was I didn't want to have a crash tastic experience and that it was trying to run all the older stuff. I, I wanted to get a pure, um, uh, pure experience though. Uh, um, I'm glad you did I, that. Because <laughs> because I have not had that experience, right? I mean, it's like it's good that we've got this this comparison here. Um, yeah, I did that, and then I also logged into iCloud, which at first I was like, should I do this on a new machine? And it's like, well, it, it recognizes it as the same machine. Yeah, um, and that worked okay. And then you know, with, with that, I was able to you know look at some of my mail. Sure. Um, oddly, you know, maybe we should talk about this. Oddly enough, it didn't populate my messages, which is weird because I thought it should have. But huh. It didn't. It was also kind of crashing on me, so I think I may have had a weird install of uh, messages. But speaking of messages, they, um, I think, in part due to Catalyst, uh, made messages on the Mac side better. I agree. Messages is now in sync with, well, it's in sync with iOS 14, uh, which means it comes with all of the like search functionality and the pinned conversations and all of that stuff and messages has been working fantastic for me on, on big Sur. It, it, you know, and, and, and I, we will point out some things that haven't worked. It's beta software. So anything that, that malfunctions is to be expected things that are truly changes like, like the clock being there all the time. That's, that's kind of the stuff that we'll highlight for you, but, but yeah, messages, I, I like what they've done with messages. I, I think it's, I think it's good. And like you said, it, I was having several text chats last night and uh, everything stayed in sync and was, it was a better experience than it has been in catalyst, which, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, mail, John, unless there's more to say on messages, I, I have some things to say on mail. Oh, okay. Because yeah, the, like I mentioned, you know, mail imported my uh, iCloud uh, mailboxes, but I didn't, notice a heck of a lot of difference with the experience, but it sounds like you did. Well, yeah, you know, so the first thing I will point out is that mail did not work for me. It crashed on launch. I, I got a notification that my two plugins, uh, small cubes, mail suite and GPG tools would not run in this version of Mac OS, which is a hundred percent expected. That's how mail plugins work. They need to be certified by the developer for any new version of Mac OS. So that was fine. But even after removing them, I could not get mail to launch. I removed, I deleted my envelope index, John, and then mail launched and offered to rebuild my, my envelope index. And after which, which took like two hours, then it crashed. So that was a, a wasted <laughs> effort. Um, it, finally this morning, I'm like, I need to be able to test mail before we do the show. So I just deleted my, my home library mail folder. Again, this is not my main machine, it's, you know, or not certainly not my main boot drive. And, and then mail launched and started pulling down all my messages. Cause it still had all my accounts and everything in there. And I think it's probably still doing that now, but at least now I've been able to experience mail, which is all I wanted to get to the, the bugs and the crashing. Um, I, I reported that to Apple, of course, but I'm not worried about it. It was just, you know, like, yeah, this is what you get. So the interesting thing is I was really worried watching the keynote uh, because they, they talked about mail a lot and it's new, you know, color scheme and all of that stuff. 
but they were really talking about mail and it felt like maybe it had been through more than just an on the skin redesign. And I was worried that we would lose what you and I call classic view. It's not classic view anymore as a Catalina. It's the um, use column layout in the view menu. Uh, good news though. We did not lose that. Mail launched just fine for me in the use column layout format. It looked normal and it got even better, John. And by better, I mean, we went back to what we had in Mojave. No longer is it a single column that uh, cannot have any of its, its sub columns, if you want to call it that, resized. You can resize columns in Mail and Big Sur. So Catalina will be our darkest day as fans of the column layout in mail and getting to Big Sur means we can finally make, say, the subject column narrower so that the date column can get wider and things like that. So I was really excited that, that not only did my preferred view of mail stick around, but it went back to what I liked, which, is, which was welcome. I, I, my guess is that Apple heard from people more than just you and me, John. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Good. Uh, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, what else did they show off? Um, well, they showed I mean, they a showed lot of maps. things. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, they showed off maps, but it does the, the pretty much, you know, again, due to catalyst that did the, the same things, but yeah. you know, it's stuff that's new on the Mac, you know, like look around and, um, have you used I think it? They had underneath the covers, like, uh, okay. yeah, a, a bit, yeah. um, you know, but it's pretty much equivalent to what you get on iOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they added some some things, I guess, to both these curated guides. So you can, like, you know, take tours of areas. Uh, electric vehicle routing, I thought, was neat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for where, where people have EV chargers. So that's, uh, that's cool. And here's something that I saw on the feature list, which I don't know if they had before. Maybe they did. Indoor maps, apparently large... Uh, large buildings, they have maps of the inside as well as the outside, so... That'll be good when we can go into buildings again. That'll be handy. Yeah. Oh, I go, I go into buildings every day. Yeah. Well, don't go every day. It's not good. <laughs> good. Oh, no, I limit my exposure. Okay. <clears throat> no, it's just interacting with machines. Okay. Not people. Yes. Yeah, 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 people. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right, right. No, that's, yeah, that's right. Um. Uh, I so noticed. I you noticed something. Yeah. The, the sounds, it, you know, they talked about it in the keynote, but it, quite frankly, more than the visual stuff, the sounds are the thing that sort of pull me out of the experience. Uh, the first few times I hear them, I took a screenshot and it was like, what is that noise? And I was like, oh, it doesn't sound like a camera anymore. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. You know, and I, I sent some mail and it was like, oh, what is that noise? So, it, 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 you know, and I, I get that we're all tuned into sort of different things. But for me, these new sounds are the are the distraction of the sort of new user experience of 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 Big Sur. It, it's fine. I'll get used to it. Like there's they're nice sounds. There's nothing wrong with them. They are just wholesale different. It's not like okay, welcome to the new way a slider looks. But it's still the slider. Like you know that it's a slider. It just looks different. Instead right. of having a line with a radio button over it, it's a it's a bubble with a with a bubble in it. You know, it's like okay, that's fine. But the sounds are like, what is that noise? Why is why is my computer making that noise? So um, and it, you know it's fine. Like I said, but but 
very, very different. And the reboot sound seems to be back, which is great. From what I recall, yes. So if you go to the sound system preference, I think there's actually a checkbox to enable the startup chime. Uh, right? Well, you're checking uh, that out. I am. Yeah, right? I am looking right now. I had no idea. This is what we do here. So sound, sound effects, play sound on startup is an option. And then play user interface effects sounds. And yeah. So you don't have to fiddle with the terminal to get this to, to work anymore. Right. So that, that's, that's a nice touch. I mean, makes sense. They brought that out. Yeah. He seems to like the startup sound. I, well, I do. Certainly. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, nice catch. That's great, man. Yeah. This is, um, this is what I love about di diving in here on these things is, is, oh, I mean like this is the exciting stuff. This is what makes us geeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Now the other thing, it, it wasn't really due to this, but, but uh, I'll just say Dave is I've noticed on the MacBook pro 16 inch, the sound on this thing is fantastic compared to my prior machine, my 2012 in that the, I, I don't know how they pull it off, but the separation, um, like I've even played things and thought that there was like someone outside because I heard a sound like way to my right. And I'm like, Oh wow, is there somebody outside talking? And I'm like, Oh no, it's the video I'm playing. So the sound in, in that machine, uh, you, you have the 13 inch, right? I have the 13 inch air, but I've tested the 13 inch pro as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, but I this, just wonder if you noticed a big improvement. Uh, I oh, noticed huge. a big improvement in the sound quality on this machine. For the, yeah, yours has yours has an even big. They they've spent more time and probably money uh, making the sound in that 16 inch MacBook Pro really good in terms of mm -hmm. like exactly what you said the the experience of being in it. But but yeah, even when I got this this you know 13 inch Air last year or whatever a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, immediately it was like, oh, this is way more immersive than than they've done previously. And, you know, my guess is, I mean, it's hard, right? Because audio is usually requires to, to move. You have to move air, right? And you have these very thin devices into which they're trying to cram, you know, other devices that are built to move air. But you usually need like, you know, some distance to do that. So they they've really done a good job. My guess is a lot of what they've learned from HomePod has been, you know, applied to all their devices, not just the Mac, but iPhone. And, and, you know, they, they spend a lot of time on this stuff and it yeah. shows. I, what, 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 what's the saying? There's no replacement for displacement. No. That's the one. Well, that's true. I mean, I know that's not quite what they meant, but I think that's right. Yeah. No replacement for displacement. I like it. That's good. All right. So of course, with the new version of the operating system, we got to have a new version of Safari and they showed that off. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some notable things about it. So of course it's faster than ever before. They always say that. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Um, they introduced some interesting features to it though. So one that I actually tried Dave, which I saw them demo language translation, dude, it is so cool. So I went to a uh, uh, Der Spiegel, I think it is, .de, uh, a German newspaper, and I went to their .de site, .de Deutschland, and it was all in German. And then I noticed in the, in the menu bar, there was a tiny little thing with like letters on it. And I clicked and it's like, hey, you want to translate this? Uh, I think you want to translate this to English, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. And it was like instantaneous. So first there was a disclaimer from Apple saying, well, you know, it's going to send all of the content to us. So... Um, you know, not that they're going to give it away, but they're just making you aware is that it's not happening on the machine. 
right. um, at least not currently, maybe at some point in the future. Well, sure. I don't know. Sure. Um, and then the, it was brought up in very readable um, English. So I thought that was a, a, a you know, just a, a nice thing to add. Um, I think you could do it with plugins in the past, but it's nice that Apple in, included their own. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah then, you're right. Plugins could theoretically, and, and I, pres I presume in practicality, plugins could have done this. I never ran any, but, uh, but yeah, that's wow. That's cool. Yeah. Man. Or sometimes the web page offers it, but now the browser offers it. So right. That's really cool. Right. Um, I didn't really get to experience this, but th this caught my attention when they were talking about Safari. Apparently they're now supporting something called or uh, I don't know if Apple created this or it's an industry standard, but apparently now they will support a web extensions API in that supposedly you're able to use plugins from other browsers. I, I, yeah, I, that's something I've got on my list to dig into and learn more about. I, I found that very interesting. They didn't go into that in the state of the union, which didn't really surprise me uh, because they, they had a lot to talk about with Apple Silicon, which is what we'll talk about next. Um, but yeah, that, that I've thought really interesting because there are a lot of plugins that are only available for Chrome and Firefox, right? And, and Safari mm -hmm. a, because you have to build it differently and B because Safari had, you know, a lot of restrictions on what plugins could do. They just aren't there, but um Yeah. Yeah, that I found that interesting too. Uh, the redesigned tabs in Safari were something that oh, yeah. that kind of you know caught my caught my eye or pulled me out of the experience. I I you know I had a lot of things open in I guess in my Safari tabs on my on my laptop. And when I say a lot, maybe fifteen or something. But it's a thirteen inch screen, right? So that means each tab is now much smaller than an inch. And I opened a few more things, and it it's different with the. The I had run something, a plugin or something that gave me uh, the the favorite icons, the little small website icons for a while. And I turned it off because I didn't quite like it. it, it I, I, I don't know. I didn't that that view seems jarring to me to have all these different colors at the top. I get why that's handy, because it's it's a very efficient visual reference for what that page might be. But I felt like my tabs were actually taking up more screen real estate than less. I, I, I have not compared it, so I, I may be very wrong on that. But just the experiential thing was like, what's going on with my tabs? Why is Safari broken? And it was like, oh, no, it's actually not broken. It's just different. So and it worked fine. Like there, it truly wasn't broken. Safari has been has been great uh, on this. And, but, you know, in my 24 hours with it. But um but yeah, that, that was, that was another one of those kind of, oh, this is, this is new, fine. Like I knew what to do, but it was just a little, a little different for me. Uh, I want to, I, I want to talk about the overall stability of this, but we'll do that. Is there anything, uh, any other like features of macOS Big Sur that you have on your list, John, before we move on to Apple Silicon? Um... Let's see, new um, Now I got I got some high level notes here. I haven't really okay. explored them, but uh, yeah. apparently the updated photos, calendar, notes. I think the whole iWork suite. They they updated all that, but I didn't mm -hmm. have a chance to uh, look at them quite yet. Yeah, but, 
We'll dig, we'll dig in, you know, over time on the show. What we really wanted to do was just kind of do this episode separate so that we don't have to, because we've got a ton of qu- your questions in the queue. And so we didn't want to figure it's good to, you know, let, let open the steam valve a little bit. Uh, the, Oh, the, the final thing here is that yeah. they mentioned this and I got to look at this, but, uh, apparently now they're, uh, in the app store, they're going to add some, uh, uh, self-reported privacy info. Um, yeah, actually, privacy. They uh, actually, I have a section here later, but they they went into a big section about their continuing goal of providing of protecting your data and my data. Yeah, yeah. Making sure I can't see your data and you can't see mine. Right. Um, but that was one part of it. Is I guess they're now asking developers to, uh, you know, tell you what they're doing with your data. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That more more specifically what trackers they are putting on you and what, how they, how they're doing their analytics, who gets to see them, those sorts of things. Yeah. I like that. I think that's good. I think that's quite good. Um, as far as, you know, Mac OS 11, big Sur beta developer beta one, you know, the mail thing, I don't know what was going on with that, but you know, obviously there's going to be bugs in this overall though. This has been remarkably stable for me. I've I've made the mistake. I've always updated to the you know the developer beta one on my laptop while at you know traveling at WWDC, and in many years that has been a mistake uh, in a lot of ways. This this year I would not have have classified it that way. Now I have the benefit of being home, and so that means. I have my other Macs around if I screw this one up, but it really has been, I mean, it just, you know, I woke it up this morning and it worked like there was no, like, <laughs> no, no, you got to force reboot. You know, honestly, my biggest problem that I had was for whatever reason, getting even my clone to boot on my Catalina clone to boot on my external drive. And I think maybe I didn't have the Thunderbolt cable plugged in all the way or something was wonky, because once I, I I just took actually what I did was I moved the Thunderbolt cable from the bottom jack to the top jack on my Mac and it's been fully stable ever since and that's you know I'm booting from an external Thunderbolt drive on a laptop this is not a recommended use case right it's mm-hmm. it's very awkward and rife with opportunity for human error so I think that's what was going on was was some significant human error but but it did seem interesting that when I moved it from the bottom port to the top port um it things got better there may i feel like there might be something to this but i'll i'll dig and and you know if there is we'll let you know but yeah stability for me has been fine how about you since i did yeah since i didn't migrate i didn't expect any any problems and i didn't have any i think i had one i think i told you messages wouldn't launch sure um, you know did a force quit it said, yeah, you know, there's a problem. You want me to tell Apple about it. But um, yeah, for, for what I did, it, uh, but it didn't crash on me once. Cool. Cool. Of course, now it'll crash on me multiple times later today when I played with it. More. Yes, of course. I guess. Oh, I fully expect crashes. I mean, it's, it's developer beta one. It, like, that's the point. Or of I it. think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to run migration assistant. That should be, oh. that, that should make it life more interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to hear how that goes for you. That's cool. Um, we don't really have a sponsor for this episode, uh, but 
the folks at iMazing are sponsoring TMO, and, and you've probably heard them on Daily Observations this week. Uh, you'll see a post go up at TMO. So I just figured since we're doing this episode, I wanted to acknowledge what they're doing and thank them for sponsoring TMO. So thank you, uh, DigiDNA and iMazing folks. But they've got their new iMazing configurator. We all know about iMazing as the manager for our devices on our Macs, but uh, they launched recently iMazing configurator which is a set of tools that simplifies all the like local supervision, configuration, provisioning of multiple iOS devices. So you get all this great iMazing stuff and all their learning to manage not just the devices that are yours, which is great. So you design blueprints and configurator in this editor that they have, and then you can apply them to bulks of iPhones and iPads. You can back up, erase, and update 20 iPhones simultaneously or configure 20 iPads to launch an app in a single app mode, right? So lots of different things. And because iMazing runs locally, it can perform backups and backup restores. It can push custom apps, contacts, media files, all that cool stuff. So it's it's fully MDM aware and fully compatible with devices that are already enrolled in uh, supervised via DEP. So you can go check it out at imazing.com slash configurator. And we'll, uh, as always, thanks to, to all you folks at DigiDNA and iMazing for sponsoring TMO this week. So just wanted to say that. Um, but I really, and I, not but, I, I'm happy to say that. And I'm also happy to talk about Apple Silicon. Yes, we've got iOS 14 stuff to talk about. Now, I'm running that on my iPhone uh, SE 2020 here. But Apple Silicon, I think, is the the next most important thing to us as Mac users, John. And I saw a lot about this in the, obviously, in the keynote, the State of the Union really dug into this. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's interesting Seeing Apple's engineers talk, not just their marketing people, but, you know, in the state of the union, and again, this is all scripted, it's fine, but it is interesting seeing the engineers talk about what they've been doing and why, and this whole idea, they have been working, remember Apple Silicon is something that we've got in our iOS devices and have for what, 10 generations of chips or something, and they and and we've got it in our Macs too. I think, like we said, our either our Touch Bar or our T two chip or both maybe are running on Apple Silicon. But the um, but it's not all in one, right? We've got you know Intel chips running the 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 bulk of the OS and or all of the OS depending on which Mac you're running, and and then maybe some Apple Silicon doing something else. But on iOS, what they've been able to do is really tie that, you know, we always talk about how app with Apple, the hardware and the software are tied together. And that goes to a whole new level with Apple Silicon because they don't have to worry about how other people are designing chips for them. They get to build these things together. And this is part of why the iPhone is able to do what the iPhone does so efficiently it's why the iPad is able to be this, you know, monstrous piece of glass that's lit for, you know, 12 hours at a time and still do all this functionality, you know, processing functionality underneath it. it I just found it really interesting the, the way the developers looked at this and and they kept talking about how energy efficiency is the key to greater performance. 
which, which I thought was really like, it's like, well, why is it, you know, like we could say, forget about energy efficiency, uh, you know, like, like, like me in my physics class in my senior year of high school, John, we had to design a battery or we had to design a motor and I made a very, very inefficient motor. I like wrapped the things myself and, you know, wrapped the coils and built this. And I tried to run it with a nine volt battery and it wouldn't work. And so I brought a car battery into school and man, that motor cooked. And I walked into my physics class and my, my physics teacher saw me and he laughed. He says, I've been waiting 20 years for somebody. He says, this is the hardest project we assign. And it's because it's really difficult to wrap coils in the, the a precise enough way by hand to run a motor for 30 seconds off of a nine volt battery. He said, but you figured out the hack. And, and I said, well, yeah, I just needed more power. And, uh, and he said, okay, I I've thought about this. You're allowed to use your car battery, but here's the deal. You have to let everybody else use your car battery too. And I said, that's fine. But this has been sitting in my garage for, I don't know how long I get to go first. And then after that, everybody else can use my car battery. My presumption is there's plenty of juice left in this thing, but I don't want to be the guy that goes last. And, you know, he's like, yeah, that's fine. And, and so everybody, everybody's motors worked that year, which was, which was interesting. And I, so, you know, like we could say that about computers too. just throw more energy at it and you get more, you know, get more performance. But the reality is with so much of our computing being done on mobile devices and heat being an issue, even on desktop devices. I mean, look at the i7 Mac mini, right? Like you could probably fry an egg on your computer right now, John, because that's uh, when I'm gaming, it does get quite warm. Yeah. And probably doing our, you know, video stream for the show and everything, you know, it's probably cooking. So uh. Yeah. Yeah. So you can make your breakfast. Like that's cool. But, but you know, it was, but it was really interesting that, that like they led with energy efficiency as their, as their sort of prime directive. And they knew that by designing for energy efficiency, both in the hardware and the software simultaneously, that that would mean they would get more performance. And, so I, I'm really, it's interesting that, that that's what they're doing. And it, obviously it's been paying off on, on their other devices. So I'm very curious to see how it pays off right. on the Mac because you can add performance without increasing power. And for, for the last decade, this is what Apple's been working on. So they've got this relentless focus on efficiency. And now we finally get the full benefits of that on our Macs, or we will get the full benefits of that on our Macs as they run Apple Silicon. Uh, so I, you know, I, I thought that that was really telling. I'm curious to see how they market these new machines when they come out in con consumer facing ways, you know, will they be talking about the, the speed of the processor or will that be obscured just like it is with, you know, iPhone and iPad and, and, and all of that. I mean, remember Steve and Phil, in Steve Jobs and Phil Schiller in their their Bake Off demos years and years ago in the Power PC days would not talk about the CPU speeds. It was just like, yeah, here's our new chips and uh, that we're using and they're faster, you know. But he never wanted them. That yeah. So I, I well, part I, of the reason wondered. is that CPU speed, and I think they were correct, isn't necessarily a measure of performance. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. Because I remember, the, the re, uh, from what I recall, so back when they were on IBM's power chips, yeah. I mean, part of the reason that they bailed on IBM is that the performance 
of their chips, especially in laptops, was pretty sad. On desktops, it was all right. Yeah. And that was, I, and I think that was IBM's target with the power uh, architecture. I mean, I still think they use them in their mainframes. But um, yeah, when you start talking a laptop or a portable device, then, uh, and, and I think that's why they, they ditched them. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room where IBM was like, oh, yo, you want better, uh, better chips for your portables? Uh, yeah, too bad. What are you going to do? Go to go to someone else? And they're like, yeah, as a matter of fact, we will. Bye. Yeah, we've already been talking to them. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we got a meeting, another meeting with them right now. We got to go. Bye. That's right. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, uh, so I'm wondering, uh, I mean, I don't think Intel's done anything. Uh, I'm happy with the performance of the Intel chips, but it'll be interesting to see the comparison once once they move over to Apple um, or, or their own silicon. I yeah. do have a couple of concerns, though. Well, no, okay. they've, they, well, actually, actually, Apple has met some of the concerns, Dave, which is good. Okay. Um, you know, one is, uh, yeah, how am I going to run my my stuff? You know. <laughs> And, and they're, they're providing a path to that. So, so I think what's going to happen now, and I saw them, you know, especially demoing Xcode to do this. Um, so in the interim, what's going to happen, similar to like it did when Apple went from Motorola to Intel, is like, well, your software is going to be targeted to either one or the other. Um, right. Or, or eventually it's all going to be targeted to the new processor. But, you know, we can't just leave, you know, all the Intel people high and dry. So how are we going to solve that problem? So the way they're doing that is they're going to revive something and it's called uh, Universal 2. So yeah. a Universal 2 binary is basically it's a fancy way of saying, well, it'll run on either Intel or Apple Silicon. Right. Yeah. They talked about that in the in the keynote. And and when you build your app in, in the new version of Xcode, you get the option to build it as a universal to uh, binary, which they, they, they said it, it's it will have an Apple Silicon slice of code and an Intel slice of code. And then it'll have all the non uh, platform specific things bundled in like your graphics and any other, you know, supporting things that, that aren't compiled code. Uh, that I, honestly looks like a great way to, to do things. And it seemed like I haven't messed with it a ton in Xcode, but it seemed like this was one of those things where Apple spent a lot of time making it very easy for especially very simple apps to just be a checkbox and go. Uh, you know, that the, there's no, obviously more complex apps are going to need a little bit of refactoring here or there uh, for sure, just to make sure they're using the libraries that Apple has already built to let compile as Apple Silicon. But um, but it, it looked pretty straightforward to me. Uh, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure some, some developers are tearing oh, their yeah. hair out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but... You know, it kind of has to be, it, by definition, it has to be a fairly straightforward process because in addition to Universal 2, Apple is rolling out something called Rosetta 2. Now, we had Rosetta as the translation engine. It was a real-time translation engine that would take PowerPC code and run it on our, it, at the time, new Intel Macs. And it was happening in real time. 
right? So the instructions were being translated as they needed to be run. Uh, Rosetta 2 does not do anything with PowerPC code. So don't, we, we want to make sure that there, that it's, it's, it's similar in name only, but it is similar in function in that it takes Intel code and translates it to Apple Silicon chips. But it doesn't, it will do it in real time if it has to. But it doesn't do that most of the time. It tries to do, their real focus is on ahead of time translation. And then it can do the translation once and store it in what Apple calls the translation cache on your Mac. So if it's a Mac App Store app, they say that the translation happens at time of download. I'm not entirely sure if that means it's happening on Apple servers at time of download or on your Mac at time of download. But either way, it's happening at time of download. Whatever is necessary uh, to be you know, stuffed into the translation cache will be put there. And then when you run your app, it's not trying to translate it in real time. It's already done it once and it just runs. If you have a non-Mac App Store app installed on your Mac, it will translate ahead of time at the first time you launch it. So there will be some delay and, and there's no information on what that delay looks like or how long it would be for any, you know, sample apps or anything like that. But it happens once again and then stuffs it in the translation cache for future launches. The real time stuff happens only for sort of the transitory apps, like the, the things that would happen in a web browser, like some Java stuff or whatever. It, I, I, I didn't quite understand what those use cases were. And it's because I've never really developed in, in that way, but it, it seemed like they said, well, there's going to be some scenarios where it needs to just translate in real time. And so we're going to go ahead and do that. And they seem to point at web stuff. And that's where my knowledge, did you grok any of what they were saying about that in the state of the union, John? Uh, nah, it's been a while. So, okay. Uh, yeah. My eyes kind of glazed over. Like, Got it. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's like it, it's, it's, it's doable. Um, the one thing that will not be translated in any way it, at any time is kernel extensions. Now we talked about kernel extensions before. There are still some kernel extensions, plenty of them that will run on Mac OS, but kernel extensions are, I, I and I think it's, uh, there's probably a zillion reasons for this. But Apple has decided those need to be written uh, for the platform that they are running on directly. But Apple also really, really advised people to move their kernel extensions to driver kit because they said, you know, this reducing surface area of what kernel extensions can do is continuing to happen. Please don't leave us, uh, you know, needing to come after you and say, please update your or users to come after you. And so they really are pushing people to move to, uh, to driver kit for like USB based stuff or, or any of the other options that Apple has out there. Uh, I'm not sure if storage would ever move out of the kernel extension land. I, I, I just don't know enough about it. I think it, I think they've got a path for that too, but um but it need but the kernel extensions won't be translated in real time. The other but, thing, oh, go ahead, John. Well, I, uh, and I, I think an item further down on our list is is appropriate to talk about now because it's kind of a side benefit of having the same processor in the Mac and in an iOS device, and they kind of just 
you know, blew past this or, or I, I thought they did, but like, oh, by the way, you can run iOS apps on, uh, <laughs> on the new Macs. Yeah. I, they, they dug into that in the state of the union quite a bit. And, and mm. it like, they've spent a lot of time on this and you're right. Yeah. The, it, with, uh, you know, Apple Silicon or arm processors, I'm very curious as to what, they will be called when they are in consumer Macs. Like I don't think Apple Silicon is the name that Apple's going to use for these new Macs when they start rolling them out later this year. But um, they, they said that, you know, your iOS apps, they want to make them feel as much like a Mac app as they can. So a menu bar is automatically built, including all the things you're used to copy paste like that, all that stuff. And preferences is added there. Preferences is built from whatever you as a developer have told iOS to put into the settings app for your preferences in your app. So, uh, so that's all right there. iOS apps, John, when they are run on the Mac, finally get a quit option because <laughs> as Apple said, because that's a thing on the Mac. Um, and, and they, they obviously didn't, you know, go any further with it than that, but, but you can quit an iOS app on the Mac, just like you can quit any other Mac app apps that support iPad, um, like multi-sized, you know, orientation and, and, uh, split screen and all that essentially iPad apps that are built to have their window size resized can have their window size resized on the Mac. You, you get controls to drag those and, and you're good to go. All of Mac OS's share services are available. And in the State of the Union, John, they showed iOS photo extensions working in the Photos app on the Mac, which mm -hmm. I thought was pretty, like, that shows how deep that integration <laughs> goes, I thought. It's like, whoa, that's crazy. But it's like you said, yeah. it's, it's all the same hardware. Yeah. yeah. So now the one benefit, Dave, of having an Intel chip in our, uh, our, our desktop and our uh, portable Macs. Yeah. Is, um, you know, since uh, other computers use Intel chips or other operating systems use Intel chips, uh, doing a certain thing on the Mac now is pretty, uh, pretty mature. And that's, virtualization, whether it be yep. parallels or VMware or uh, VirtualBox. Um, now that Apple's switching processors, um, well, somebody's going to have to update their software. Though, um, though they did show, actually, uh, I forget which, which event it was, but they actually did show parallels running on the new Mac. So they're already, a, a, and I'm sure they briefed uh, the parallels guys, uh, uh, before they they did this, oh, they <laughs> more than briefed them. No, they they've they've been rewriting parallels for Apple Silicon, yeah. right? So it was parallels that they showed in actually both the keynote and the State of the Union. They dug. They, they never acknowledged that it was parallels in the keynote, but you could see the name of the app in the oh yeah in the thing. And they didn't show it running Windows though. It, I I want to highlight that they showed yeah, it running Linux. That was weird. Right. And they, they, they couched it very nicely saying, look, you know, you can use parallels and run Linux to spin up a web server. And this is a thing developers do all the time. And that's true, but it, it, it was Apple's way of acknowledging that virtualization, um, or, or I should say emulation is possible by third parties, but 
Windows emulation is not yet ready from any of these mm -hmm. third parties. Now, Apple in their own documentation has made it very clear that Rosetta or Rosetta 2 is built to do the translation slash emulation of Mac based Intel apps to, yes, I noticed that. to <laughs> Mac OS, Big Sur and later on on Apple Silicon hardware. A lot of people have misinterpreted this to say Windows emulation is impossible on, you know, on these new Macs. And it's like, no, 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 no. What that means is Apple's built in Rosetta 2 engine is not built to emulate Windows apps on the Mac. It's not doing, you know, hardware level instruction for instruction uh, you know, translation, and it doesn't matter what the app is. It does matter what the app is for Rosetta 2. But if someone like Parallels wants to write their own emulation engine, so we like virtualization versus emulation is an important distinction, but if they want to write their own emulation engine, I, you know, I, my guess is that Apple would not be stopping them. We talked really deeply about this on, on Daily Observations yesterday, John Martellaro, Kelly Gamont, and I. And, and I, you know, it, and Parallels posted a, a blog article on Monday after the keynote, of course, saying, yeah, that was us that was running. And yes, we're working on this and we're excited to tell you more when we have more to tell you, you, you know, the whole typical, we have nothing to say other than what you already could have intuited, but let us make it clear for you what you saw. And then we have more to tell you when we have more to tell you. But I, I think Windows, again, emulation is theoretically possible. Now, is it worth doing? The answer is probably yes. Like, is there a, a, a business case for a company to be selling emulation software to run Windows on the Mac? Probably, I would think so. Uh, you know, that's up to Parallels and VM where to evaluate and decide or anybody else for that matter. But, um, but I think, I think it's, it's, it's doable. So virtualization of Intel goes away because there is no Intel chip in there, but emulation comes back, right? We had emulation in the, what was it? The, what was the app that ran on, on our power PC max that ran windows? It wasn't parallels, right? That was, they were virtualization only, um, the mm. real PC, something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, that's as I understand it. Again, you know, I'm only taking the information that's available publicly and sort of dissecting it and trying to interpret it. But but that's that's my interpretation of this. I see no reason why Windows on Apple Silicon Macs in inside an emulated container would be technically impossible, but it will take some work and. And we'll see. But w Windows also runs on ARM, you know, like isn't the Surface 3 an ARM based thing? Whatever it is, Windows definitely runs on ARM. And Windows on ARM emulates x86 code to run Windows apps, Windows x86 apps inside Windows on ARM. So theoretically, a bootcamp style startup Windows on, I don't know if Apple's going to go this route, but a bootcamp style Windows on ARM, if you could get that up and running, then you're good to go, right? Then Windows will, it's just running on ARM hardware. So whatever you got, I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, I think you got to, uh, uh, so when you purchase your next Mac, you want to consider is 
virtualization a big part of what you do. If it is, then uh, you may want to stick with Intel as long as Apple makes them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, that, I, I, for sure. So it, taking virtualization out of the picture, would you advise if someone came to you today and, and I'll, I'll, I'll put two examples. One is a family member using their machine at home. And the other is someone that uses their computer for, you know, home and work and relies on it, you know, to make their living as opposed to just, you know, the thing that they use for the web and the email at night. In either of those cases, if they came to you and said, uh, you know, I'm in the market for a new Mac, I don't need one today. If you need a computer today, our advice is the same as it always has been. Buy a computer today, right? The, and buy the b the best one that you a, a either want or can get or can afford. Buy, you know, get the computer you need that exists today, today. But somebody says, I'm looking to buy a computer in the next year or so. Uh, should I get an Intel Mac from Apple or should I get one of the new Apple Silicon Macs from Apple? What would your advice be? And I realize um, we have the we have the right to change our minds in a day, in a week, in six months. But today, what would your advice be? Um, my advice would be no. I would stick with what is a known quantity, especially well. you condition this on, you know, if you use your machine day to day and you have certain apps that you absolutely rely on. I personally would not want to take the risk of getting something where not all your stuff may work, right? Which stuff wouldn't, well, like specifically, what would you we be don't get worried like about? Virtualization, for example. Say well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I need to run Windows sure. and I use Parallels or whatever virtualization. Well, that's not going to happen immediately. Absolutely. But so. let's take virtualization out <clears throat> of this conversation because that for sure you need to stick with Intel. There's no question about that for now. But but anybody else would would you have any um, concern with them moving to Apple Silicon versus staying with Intel? Uh, I would get it, but I wouldn't throw my old machine away. Okay, that's fair. Because <laughs> I can guarantee there's going to be things that won't work the way they worked on the old machine. Yeah, um, that's probably right. You know, I mean, there's all these translation layers, which which is great. And I would say, well, just as you found, most of your stuff worked, but not all of it. Um, Right. And I'm running on the same hard, like yes. I'm not running Apple Silicon and even just software wise, right, right. things don't work Yeah, No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. 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 I would, I mean, it's a balance, right. To, to answer this question for either, either person, either, you know, fictitious person, the, the family member that doesn't use it for work and the person who does um, it, it, it's a balance because I would say the person who's using their computer for their business as their daily driver, they're relying on it. They are probably, probably more likely to replace their machine sooner than the person who's, you know, getting it for email and web browsing. The person who's getting a computer for email or web browsing, I would actually be more likely to advise them get Apple Silicon, it, you know, assuming that the day you need to buy, um, you know what I mean? Like, the, because if you're doing stuff and you are driving that straight and narrow path down the middle it's that's going to work like no question. Apple's going to make that work and be smooth. So I would say for sure, if you can, if when you need to buy the Apple Silicon stuff is out and there's an option there that, that works for you. Now, you know, the developer trans the transition kit is Mac mini only. Uh, I presume that that's because Apple's still working on power management and stuff for laptops and probably other reasons. Mac minis are way cheaper 
Uh, it, it, it anyway, because you don't have to also ship someone a screen and a keyboard. You just, or maybe a keyboard, but you don't, you don't, you don't have to worry about a screen. You just say, take this Mac Mini, plug it into whatever you have, and you're done. Um, so you know, but in terms of the um, the the uh, what you call it, I'm gonna the air conditioner is making a ton of noise in here, so we will turn that off. Uh, in terms of the, you know, there may not be like the first consumer facing Apple Silicon Macs might not be Mac laptops. They might only be, you know, iMacs and Mac minis. We don't know. We'll find out. Right. Uh, but if the computer's available, get it. Uh, the one you want, you know, get it. And actually I'm no, for, for the home user that, that, you know, doesn't have any specialized applications that like, you know, I'm thinking right now, my parents, they have an iMac. It's, right. uh, it's several years old and I think they're due for an upgrade. So, um, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll, uh, you know, offer to throw them in the water and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be fine. Night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the person who relies on it day to day, it would be it would be more of a nuanced conversation. Like, wh- tell me what you're doing on it, because if they're simply relying on it, but all they're actually doing is email and web browsing and, you know, maybe signing PDFs here and there. Okay, great. Like you're good to go. Also get yep. the Apple Silicon. They're, yeah. Their main thing is email. Okay. Right. That works. Um, photos, which, you know, photos is built in. So that's cool. And, uh, and yeah, web browsing, as far as I know, that's mostly what, what they use that machine for. Yeah. So. I, I moved to the Intel Mac, uh, I ordered my Intel MacBook Pro, which was the first the first consumer facing Intel Mac that was made available was the MacBook Pro. I remember leaving the keynote at I think it was we think we were in San Francisco, going straight to the speakers lounge so I could get on Wi-Fi and I ordered a new MacBook Pro right away. It took, you know, a month and a half to arrive or whatever because that's how the timeline worked. But, you know, I I moved to it immediately. And I don't remember having any real problems. Um, mm. You know, Apple handled that pretty well. I'm sh- I'm sure there were some things where it was like, oh, dang thing won't work. But but otherwise, I, th- I think it was fine. Um, Apple did a pretty good job with it. So, you know, but for me as a podcaster, I'd want to make sure that, you know, the apps that I need to record real time audio and all of that will work. Apple in the State of the Union even sort of referenced that, that, you know, apps would be able, those types of apps would be able to run in this translation cache just fine and all of that. And, and, and they said that's part of why we're doing this, this ahead of time translation so that things that are relying on timing can just happen. You're not waiting for this additional translation to happen every time or this emulation to happen every time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. Um, uh, let's, yeah, let's move on to iOS 14. Unless there's more on Apple Silicon, let's, let's touch briefly on iOS 14 and our 20 minute episode is already at an hour six. So, <laughs> uh, no great surprise, John, we are incapable of, uh, doing a deep dive quickly, which, which when I say it out loud makes a whole lot of sense. Um, <laughs> I should have, I should have known better. All right. So iOS 14 iPad OS 14. I am running it on my iPhone SE 2020 to, to jump to the, the punchline. It has been completely stable on that. These betas feel more stable than betas have felt in the past to me. Um, probably because the engineers didn't need to spend as much time rehearsing for their 
presentations and more could spend more time, you know, and they, they did their presentations, but when you get to pre-record a presentation, that's way different than having to deliver it live. So, um, you know, so they were able to produce one instead of plan one. My guess is that that translated into more reliable, more robust, more further along code than we're used to this time of year. Um, but it's running great. The, um, you know, the, the, it runs iPad OS 14 and iOS 14 run on all the same devices as iOS 13 did, which is great. Uh, so if you're running iOS 13, you can run iOS 14. I thought that was really interesting. You know, again, Apple chips, Apple software, and sure, we'll just make it run like no problem. So I, I like th there's a, there's a, 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 a handover or a, 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 a translational benefit to the Mac running Apple software here too, that we might be able to see even longer life of an OS on an Apple Silicon Mac as opposed to an Intel Mac. But, um, but yeah, I mean the, the new widgets thing works as Apple showed it. It's very I mean, sure it's Android like for sure, because you now have the ability to add and customize your home screen uh, if it bothers you that it's Android like, then just don't do that. But mm -hmm. I kind of always liked that part of Android to have that flexibility. You aren't forced to do any of these things. You can, in fact, make your iOS 14 i, I device work very similarly to your iOS 13 one. Um, I, you know, but I, but I kind of like the, the various different, you know, the smart stack widgets and all of these things. It's, I, I've been, you know, I mean, it, it, it just works is what it is. So it's not, yeah, they came up with some creative ways to organize yeah. what you run. And they actually bring up a good point, Dave. Sometimes when I want to run an iOS app, I forget where it is. I always forget where it is. So what I do is I do a search for it and then it comes up in the search and then I, and then I run it. But yeah, yeah sometimes I don't know, I don't know what screen it's on. And it sounds like they added some intelligence, I guess, based on how often you run it, they give it priority or put it in a, a recents folder, I think. Yeah. 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 We, we were just asked in the, uh, in the chat at live.macgeekab.com, why can't widgets run in the middle? And I, I will show on camera here that widgets absolutely can run in the middle. I put a smart stack in right. the middle and it's got a, um, it's, it's got my news article in the middle now and my battery, I have a battery widget running, which I realize is redundant, but that's okay. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I get to play and, uh, and things just move around. It's totally fine. I could, um, you know, I'll, I'll see if I can, if I can show on screen here, how, how, how good am I at this, but I can, I can move the widgets around. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nice. And it, it just, it's fine. They go wherever I want them to go. It's quite, I, I kind of like it. So, Yeah. I very, it's very, uh, it's a very smooth experience. So yeah, um, I, it, it's again, it's like, okay, I do like the, the two non modal things. I mean, it's modal, but non full screen things where, you know, calls come in as notifications and Siri just floats as a little bubble at the bottom of the, uh, of the screen. I, I, I like that. I get still get to see what's going on on my device and it's not like somebody else did a thing and now you don't get to see what you were doing anymore. Like, no, 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 no. I get to see what I'm doing. It's my device. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. And, um, what else? Uh, yeah. I have a couple of notes in iOS 14. Um, a recording indicator. Did that catch your attention? I like that. 
Yes. We're like, hey, if we if if they're recording audio or video, there's there's an indicator, so you know that that's happening. Which I think is an effort by, you know, I this happened a while ago with my drop cam. Now my Nest Cam, Dave. At one point, they sent an update saying, hey, you know that light on your camera? We're never going to let you turn it off. Oh yeah, that's good. I think because in their mind, and I would tend to agree, they don't want you recording people when they don't know they're being. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. No, that's fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I know no, when did they show, I, I, I still get a, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say Sonos did the same thing. They're the, the speakers that have smart assistants in them, either, you know, Google or Amazon have a light and they made it very clear that their engineering team tied the power for the light to the power for the microphone, because you can tap the, the light and turn the mic off. But they said it is impossible via software to have the light off and the microphone on, which I thought was cool. It was a, a hardware thing, but it's similar to, you know, it's like, yeah, you got to know, like that's a, that's fair. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then they showed, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how these work exactly, but they showed it, but yeah. um, app clips. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I have not been able to experience that yet because I don't have anything that can, I haven't found anything that can trigger an app clip, but an app clip is it floats up from the bottom of the screen, at least from what we saw in the keynote and shows um, a very specific view of something about your app that people can do. And their examples were, you know, you come up to a parking space and, you know, you you go near the NFC reader or you scan a QR code or one of Apple's app clip codes and it pulls up this clip, which from then you can pay for your parking or something. So it, it just it it removes a lot of the friction of, oh, crap, I need to like run the Parkways app and, and you know, find where to do that and where I am. And it's like, no, 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 we got you. You know, it's a, it's a way for app developers to bring you to a very specific mm. part, a deep part of their app without the rest of their app uh, around it, which I thought was cool. I, I, I like that idea. I'm, I'm very curious to see how app developers use it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And kind of related, at least to some of the iOS devices, Dave, but um, they, they showed something on the pencil that I thought was pretty darn cool. Uh, scribble. I think that's going to be huge. And, and by scribble, what, what, go ahead. Uh, what totally blew me away, though, is that kind of like they added the language thing to Safari is that they showed Scribble. So Scribble, I think, is is it basically doing OCR on something that you draw, that you write. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That you draw. Yeah. Exactly. But they showed it working not only in English. OK, but I think they showed it working in Chinese, which. Uh, based yeah. on what I know, uh, Chinese character set is is way more complex. than. Oh, yeah. Uh, than our alphabet. So, uh, be, but being able to do both, I thought was really impressive. So yeah, the, the use case they showed, which, which I think might help people understand if you, if you haven't watched is the, um, they, they showed, I mean, they've been able to do OCR in specific places throughout iOS, uh, for a long time, but you would have to move to either the, uh, a real keyboard or the on-screen keyboard when, for example, or an iPad OS, I should say, uh, when you pulled down like the search box. Well, now Scribble means you can just write on the search box and it will translate that in real time, essentially, to 
characters that the computer or the, the iPad can then use to, to go and do your search, which I think is cool. It, you know, keeps you from pulling yourself out of the experience and, and just keeps that flow going, which is, which is great and hard to, to make happen. So, yeah. Um, one thing I, I did play with, uh, is in the accessibility, which is a great place to go on, on iOS devices and on Mac OS is, um, you can turn on sound recognition and this is for people presumably that are hearing impaired, but it could be used for a lot of different uh, scenarios where you say, uh, if the phone hears something that sounds like a siren, a smoke alarm, a dog barking, a cat, people shouting, and you can turn on and off. Like it's all very granular that it gives you a notification. So, or a doorbell, right? So you can have your phone be your proxy and listen for these specific sounds and then notify you via perhaps, you know, haptic means or whatever, so that you're not missing these things that are happening in your environment just because you can't hear them for whatever reason. And it could even be used, you know, if I've got headphones on and I am like in the zone doing something and the doorbell rings, I will not hear it. Well... Now we could, you know, have my phone listen as my proxy. So I thought that was pretty cool, you know. So, yeah. All right. Anything else, my friend? Or are we, uh, are we out of here? I, th I think uh, we've exhausted our options. We've exhausted our time. That's for sure. Look at this. this time. Is, uh, yeah. 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 Our, our options are not. Uh, man, we just can't do a quick show. We, we're incapable. It's good, though. I'm glad to dive into this stuff. All right. Well, that's uh, that's how it goes. That's going to be the end of Mac Geek Cab 821. Thanks for listening, folks. Tell a friend about the show. That We would love that. So, you know, take the episode, share the video, share the audio. Uh, if you use Overcast, you can share a snippet of the audio. Whatever you want to do. But tell a friend. That's our request of you this week. And, uh, or at least this episode. Um, we would love to have you... Um, have you tell somebody about what we do here. If you have something to tell us, feedback at macgeekgab.com is where you will go to do that, please. Uh, we would appreciate that. Yes, I think. feedback at macgeekgab.com. No, that's right. You said feedback at macgeekgab.com unless you are a premium subscriber of ours and then you go to or you email you don't go to you go to your mail client and you email premium at macgeekgab.com and this episode as with many others uh is made possible by lots of things including all of our premium subscribers i would like to take a minute here and thank uh, many of you whose payments have come in recently you can learn all about it at macgeekup.com slash premium so we've got john from sonora larry from irvine john from ypsilanti i hope i'm pronouncing that right nick from mount clemens peter from auburn kenneth from new lambton bob dr mac from austin and working smarter for mac users james from san antonio phil from santa fe Abdullah from Reisterstown, Todd from San Carlos, Richard from Brooklyn, Ari from Kensington, Stacy from Pine Valley, Jonathan from Tempe, Michael from Mission Hills, Philip from Tucson, Tim from Des Moines, Russell from Marblehead, Bob from La Peche, Timothy from West Windsor, and Timothy from Andersonville, Chris from Chorleywood, Harvey from Washington, Jim from San Jose, Chuck from Boulder, 
Santiago from Palm City, John from Wake Forest, and Thomas from Shoreview. Thanks to all of you for your contributions to the show, that plus all of our sponsors, plus really all of you that simply listen. That is the biggest thing you can do for us. So thank you for doing that. And again, our, our ask of you this week is go tell somebody about the show. We would, we would very much appreciate that. I don't, I know that I'm, I'm breaking uh, a, a, a secret here, but you know, when I, when I saw Bob's name, I realized I've been doing a lot with Bob this week and last week and the week before. And there is something coming that uh, is not technological from Bob and several of our friends that used to get together at trade shows at least once a year. So I will, I will share just that. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think you know about this. John. I don't think I've told you. So we have, I think I can. Yeah. You could guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was all at the suggestion of a Mac geek Gab listener. So, um, mm-hmm. so I will, uh, I hopefully we'll have that coming out this week. I, I think the project is complete, but, okay. uh, almost complete or is being completed right now. But, uh, but yeah, so hopefully we can get that out this week. If not, uh, it'll definitely be next week. Uh, yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, that's what we got. Thank you again for listening. Thanks for everything. John, thanks for, uh, for doing this crazy episode. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's how we got it. That's how we got here. 120. Feels like a normal Mac Geek Yeah, it is. Because it was. Except none of your questions were answered. Unless you were in the chat room. Subscribe to the calendar at macgeekup.com slash calendar so you know when we're doing these things. All right, that's all I got, John. You, is that it? Are we ready to go? You got anything else? No. Okay. You know, we were uh, almost a year ago, we were at... MacStock, and we were able to do a live show there, right? And that was awesome. And uh, and at the end of that show, we had everybody add in uh, a thought that they were thinking, and and it turned out everybody was thinking the same thought. So I thought it would be appropriate since we can't all be together in San Jose this week that we let the uh, the folks that were with us the last time we were able to be together in a room and do this share that thought one more time don't get caught yeah i like it it's good see you next week actually we'll see you yeah, next week soon <laughs> <laughs>